Hello, everyone, and welcome into now season three of Talking Schmidt. After a long sabbatical for myself of just not doing Talking Schmidt uh, podcast, I've decided to bring it back here in the new year in 2022. Have a little bit of fun. I've been able to do a little bit more radio work in my hometown, but just still kind of missing the podcast where you can talk a little bit more about a lot more things. Uh, I just wanted to get a chance to kind of do that. We'll still try to have the interviews with athletes from different areas. I have a few lined up that I want, but I did want to introduce my first uh, and uh, I guess my new co-host for this. I know for uh, the first season that I brought it back, I had uh, some some variations of co-hosts with me, but I want to try to aim to have one kind of uh, solid co-host with me throughout the um, this season and uh, just kind of bring in some familiar faces, I guess familiar voices if you're listening to this. Um from previous seasons to kind of talk with me. Some of those guys will be people I've interviewed in the past. Other of them will be guys who have uh, done the show with me a few times, guys like my brother, things like that. So you'll hear some of the voices that you do know, uh, but I wanted to bring in a new one that I knew I could kind of work a little bit uh, more with and and kind of see. And, and this guy, he's a, he's a big fan of a lot of teams that I normally get a little bashed for for not being a fan of. So I think that'll help out kind of in the region that we're in um, because I am, as you guys know, I'm not the biggest Tennessee sports guy uh, in any sense of the, of the magic or any sense of the words there. So my new, uh, <laughs> my new co-host with me for this season and hopefully for seasons uh, as we continue, uh, my good friend, George Holloway. George, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell the people who you love. I mean, I'm sure they all kind of know, as I mentioned, it's a regional love for your sports teams, but just go ahead. I'll give it to you. What's up, guys? My name is George Holloway. Uh, it is definitely a regional love for me. Uh, my, my big teams are, of course, the Tennessee Titans because – you know, home state, Tennessee Volunteers, home state, and the Atlanta Braves. So I was kind of born into a fandom of all these teams from the get-go. Like I have pictures of me and onesies of these teams. So so these are my guys from the start. And as I like to always give George a little bit of uh, heck for and grief for, I know he still has his uh, Peyton Manning PJs that he likes to wear, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Tate Manning PJs. His Tennessee <laughs> <laughs> All right, George. Well, uh, one thing I do like to mention is that we do have a new sponsor uh, for this season. I got to pull up the information here. I have my first ever sponsor. Um, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Kind of makes this a little bit more, um, I guess, how do I want to say it? I guess it makes this look a little bit more real if you will uh even though if you know who it is and when i say who it is you'll realize that it's really not um any that big of a deal but he is for me and he's a good friend of mine he said that he'd be my first actual sponsor it's big timber roofing our good friend Corey lee over at big timber roofing um cory turner check him out if you have any issues with your roof you can head over give him a call 931-472-5055 you can email big timber roofing at gmail.com head over to the website big they can get you a free estimation on what it would cost to fix your roof and i know we've had a lot of storm damage We've had a lot of snow that's coming down right now. We're going to see some damage come from roofs on that. So if you're in the market, I guess, for a new roof on your house, whatever, um, hit up my boy, Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing. He'll he'll take care of you, I promise. Good enough? Sounds good. All right, George knows. We're going to jump right into uh, kind of the action here that we've been talking about. We're going to go. Um, we've had a, a good kind of college football bowl season 
some shocks in there, I think, more than anything. I, I know there was a lot of bowl games that were canceled due to health conditions or health concerns, I guess we should say. Um, but really, George, I don't know if you uh, are going to be surprised by this or not, but the two, I guess the three best records in college bowl games, they belong to the Mountain West, the American, and the Sun Belt Conferences. It's it's not particularly surprising to me, to be honest with you, because in these bigger conferences, a lot of players tend to sit out for their bowl games. And so these these smaller conferences, no disrespect to the smaller conferences by any means, but like the Mountain West, the Sun Bowl, the Sun Belt, excuse me, things like that, their players, they're chomping at the bit to get in that bowl game, getting to play. So and kind of prove themselves a little more on a national national scale. You can kind of add, I guess, the big Power Five conference. If you look at the best record from Power Five conference, I guess Big Twelve was five and two. So uh, right. makes sense a little bit there. Do you know who had the worst record? Wasn't it the SEC? It was not the SEC. Believe it's it or not, not the SEC yeah. has a chance after the national championship. They'll obviously right. go <laughs> six and eight, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like we know, they'll go six and eight, no matter what. The Pac twelve did not win a bowl game. Oh and five. You're right. You're right. So that is where we're standing at. So the Pac-12 just kind of uh, um, not where they need to be at. Now, that might change with Lincoln Riley coming to USC. We'll see. Uh, but Pac-12, 0-5 in bowl games. And, of course, UCLA didn't play theirs. A couple teams didn't play theirs. But, um, again, uh, just kind of a, a bowl season where these younger guys came out and showed out. Uh, in the American Conference, I'm going to give us a few big bowl games out of both of them. I'll see if, if you watched them, what you think of them. Um, to start off with, one that will probably bring your uh, big smile to your face, actually, was in the American Conference. Uh, UCF 29, Florida 17 in the Gasparilla Bowl. George, as a UT fan, to see Florida lose, you have to be fired up. Oh, it's always wonderful to see the Gators lose. Like, it, it's one of those things that brings a Tennessee fan always to joy. If whenever you see Florida lose, it's a good day if Florida loses unless Tennessee loses on the same day. So, All right. So in the ACC, the biggest one I could see out of that one was really in the Cheez-It Bowl. Clemson, the 19th-ranked team in the nation, did what they were supposed to do. They beat Iowa State 20-13. to 13, But just kind of knowing where Clemson's been this year without Trevor Lawrence, um, Travis Etienne, those guys like that that they just lost to the NFL, um, I think that was just kind of a, a, a win for Dabo Sweeney to be like, all right, Maybe we can't count everything out. I know they're going to lose their defense coordinator, but all things around that, Clemson winning 20 to 13. Uh, I, I think that's probably the biggest win you could see from an ACC team. 100%. Like, and Clemson needed that win, to be honest with you, going into the offseason, going into a recruitment trail. That's a big win for them. And it's a good again, and it's against a good Iowa State team. And Iowa State, they're always solid with Matt Campbell over there. So it was a good game, good win for Clemson. In the Big 12, I have four games listed here. Uh, and I think the first three um, that I'm going to say, they're going to be big on paper when you look at them. But I think the last one that I'm going to bring up is probably the biggest victory. Uh, the first one was, of course, Oklahoma State, number nine ranked Oklahoma State, beating number five Notre Dame, 37-35, the Fiesta Bowl. I thought that was a pretty big victory. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 16, Oklahoma, beating number 14, Oregon, 47-32 in the Alamo Bowl. Pretty big victory for Oklahoma, especially knowing everything that's going around with Oklahoma. Bob mm-hmm. Stoops, his son caught a touchdown, all that good stuff. Tear, tears of joy. Every father's son that was watching the game gave each other a little bit, maybe a bigger hug or that head nod to say, I'm proud of you, son, for whatever reason. Uh, number seven, Baylor beating Ole Miss 
21 to 7 in the Fiesta Bowl. Of course, Matt Crowell gets injured early on in that. We can talk about that here in a second. But I think the biggest victory, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I've listed those three games, but the biggest victory to me was Kansas State beating LSU 42 to 20. That, that's fair. Uh, the thing with LSU, though, they were missing so many players. They even had a wide receiver playing quarterback. And he managed to throw for 138 yards and three touchdowns. But, I mean, he did throw two interceptions. But then again, he's listed as a wide receiver. So just for them to go out there, for LSU to go out there and play that game, I was honestly impressed because I thought they might just just kind of forfeit or pull out of the bowl, as you could say. But they went out there, they gritted their teeth, and they put out a decent battle out there. And they, I mean, what did you say the final score, 42-21? 42-20 Kansas State. 42-20, okay. So to put up 20 with a with a – Offense missing that many pieces, it was impressive to me. So I, I enjoyed the game. As an as an SEC guy, because I know all you SEC fans, if you're a fan of a team in the SEC, you just magically start rooting for all the other SEC teams. Does it kind of make you be like, still, I mean, this is Kansas State? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, no disrespect to Kansas State by any means, because, I mean, they've had a good program over the past decade. But still, as an SEC team, you do somewhat expect – them to dominate the competition in a sense. Gotcha. Any of those other games? I mean, we can, I guess we can kind of circle back here to Matt Corral playing. I know a lot of people, uh, it was, it was just, uh, social media to me is one of those places where you can just go get, uh, entertainment value. You can just jump on there and, and listen to everybody, uh, just hate each other for no matter what, whether it's politics or down to, you know, Matt Corral, if he should have played or not played. I am one of those people where I am, I, I'm not mad that Matt Crow went out and played. I don't. I don't think it was dumb of him. I get the fact that there's a lot of money on the line for him. If Matt Crow would have said, "Hey, I'm not going to play," everybody would have given him probably the most grief ever. Like, "Hey, just because you're going to be probably the number eight pick in the draft, you should still be out there." I am under the sense of this: if Matt Crow wanted to play, I'm going to let Matt Crow play. If Matt Crow tells me he doesn't want to play, it's not going to hurt my feelings because I understand it's a business decision and all these players have to start making business decisions when they know they're going to be high draft picks. Are you upset at Matt Crow for playing? Are you okay that Matt Crow played? I mean, what is your thought on it? I'm absolutely okay with the played. Like I actually give him props for going out there. Cause I mean, like you said, there was a lot of money on the line, of course, like him going in the NFL draft, but what he means to the program at Ole Miss and what he's done down there just for him to go out there and try to suit it up one more time, you can't help but applaud him. Like, he 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 put it all out there for Ole Miss. He, he really did throughout his entire career. I mean, I would say Matt Crow is going to be one of those quarterbacks in Ole Miss that's going to be remembered uh, with the name like Manning. And there's been two very talented Mannings that have come through Ole Miss, uh, of course, in uh, the, I guess, the patriarch of the Manning family and Archie. And then, of course, as well, I mean, even Arch, or I guess the uh, – the oldest brother played as well. Cooper, Cooper Manning played mm-hmm. there. And then of course, uh, along with that Eli playing there. So, I mean, there's been three great Mannings, two of those playing quarterbacks. So Matt Crow is going to be up there unless of course, Arch decides to go there. Um, but we'll, we'll have another year to debate on Arch or where he's going to be at. But I, I don't think that that win for Baylor, I mean, it's a huge win. I guess you can say that for Baylor, but you weren't playing against one of the best players in the country. Exactly. And once Matt Corral went out, like, of course, it was, it was a lackluster start, luster start to begin with. But once he got hurt, you could just see kind of the wind go out of the sails of Ole Miss. They were deflated. And the backup quarterback he came in did the best he could. But, I mean, it's not Matt Corral out there. It's not him leading that offense. So, yeah. Oklahoma State, though, against Notre Dame, were you 
happy to see Oklahoma State beat Notre Dame. I know. I mean, I was. That oh yeah, but that was impressive because it was a. They were down twenty eight, I believe. Yeah, and they scored thirty five unanswered, something yeah. along those lines. And this, even though of course Notre Dame's kind of in the loop where they just hired the new coach, it was his first game and whatnot. But still, he was in place in that uh, school. He was in that system, so it wasn't too much of a difference, I, I would assume. But still, just to come back and from that big of a deficit that quickly and close it out. That was that was impressive to me. And not to mention, I saw a TikTok, and I don't actually even have TikTok because it's just another social media thing I don't need on my phone. Um, but I saw Brian Kelly's daughter. She's still got five months to graduate from Notre Dame. <laughs> so she's still there while her whole family <laughs> is getting ready to be uh, on the bayou down in LSU. All right, moving on, Big Ten. Uh, biggest game for me for a Big Ten team, I think Michigan State beating Pitt 31-21 just because of uh, – um, what Pitt's been able to do this year. I think Michigan State, they were down at one point, kind of came back, and then just kind of uh, laid the smack down on Pittsburgh there. The other Big Ten game that we can talk about a little bit here because it's one of my main points would have been Purdue beating Tennessee in overtime, 48-45. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy that went around with the Purdue-Tennessee game, most importantly, the forward progress thing. All right, mm -hmm. so here's the thing. You know, I'm not a big Tennessee guy. I'm not a big Tennessee fan. I will say this before I get started here, before I get uh, just blasted by UT fans that are going to listen to the show and, and text me after this and just be like, hey, man, quit talking trash about UT. Um, I'm going to say this much. This Josh Heupel Tennessee football team is going to be good. I don't care what anybody says. I've watched it. Um, I've watched them this season. I've seen the games they played in. Do I think that they're going to be able to – beat Georgia in these in the second season of, of Heupel? No, I don't. I think that they're going to be close. I think that this we're looking at a, a Tennessee team that if they can stay healthy, they can keep their guys out of trouble. Another big thing, have another good recruitment class, which I know they're in the top 15 in recruitment classes in the, in the country. If they're able to put that together, figure out the defense and realize that, hey, this isn't going to be one of those leagues where you can just go out and outscore everybody. Like you're going to have to play a little bit of defense. I think Tennessee is one of the top five teams in the conference for certain. And I think that they're battling with Georgia um, and probably bouncing over Florida in the E. Well, I guess whenever they do the restructure here right now, it'll still be the East, um, but they're going to be battling up there with those guys. I still don't think they're going to be Alabama. They may lose like a random Texas A&M or whatever, or South Carolina somehow scratching your head, like how'd that happen? But I think for right now, for me, looking at it, I think this Tennessee team has a bright future, but I'll let you go back and yell about the Music City Bowl um, and, and that fourth down uh, forward progress stopped. First things first, that was one of the nicest things I've ever heard you say about the University of Tennessee. Like, yeah. And I'm impressed. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> But uh, one of the one of the things of the like the Music City Bowl, like you can talk about the the officiating, which I'm going to. Don't worry. Okay. But what killed Tennessee in that game was the second quarter stall out. They were up 21 to seven going into the second quarter, full of all the momentum behind them. Offense stalled stalled out. They couldn't get the run game going. They couldn't get protection. Hidden Hooker was overthrowing some easy throws there. And Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, you got to tip your hat to him. He threw for over 500 yards and five touchdowns, and he had a clean pocket for most of the game. Tennessee's defense, I did force some turnovers. Like, they had three interceptions, which is rare for Tennessee, I guess you could say. But still, for most of the game, he was clean. He, he had a clean pocket. He had plenty of time to throw. He could have ate a sandwich back there for the most part, to be honest with you. And every coverage breaks down after a certain period of time. 
And that's why so many explosive plays occurred in that game because Tennessee couldn't get pressure. O'Connell could sit back there, take his time. And then of course a man came open and like defensively, like you can make excuses about how Tennessee lost so many in the portal, like things like that. And Tim Banks, he did a good job with what he had. I thought for most of the season, that's a defensive coordinator for Tennessee for those who don't know. And I feel like he did a really good job throughout the season. They were second in the SEC in tackles for a loss, which I thought, which I mean, that's always a great stat. And uh, during that game, uh, one name that stuck out to me was Jeremy Banks. Uh, he's coming back next season, and he's going to kind of solidify that linebacker core. Uh, he had 20 tackles, uh, two and a half for a loss, and uh, he also had one sack. And then Byron Young, he's the he's one of the edge rushers for Tennessee as well. And uh, he had uh, eight total tackles, also uh, snagged his first career interception for Tennessee. So there were some good things that I saw from the defense, but, I mean, of course, those breakdowns really cost him in the end. And now we go to the elephant in the room, the officiating. It, it, it was not the best, of course, of, but it, no game is perfect. Like, there's going to be missed calls. Some of them in that game were just of a larger, much, much larger magnitude. And, of course, the play on the goal line, Jalen Wright, his, his legs were churning. He reached the ball over the goal line before the official blew the whistle. I, I don't understand why that play was stopped by any form because the official, he's got the whistle in his mouth. He can call it, and he did, yeah. and, and it was too late. And then to hear some of the officiating experts say, oh, the whistle is irrelevant. The, the, the referees can stop the play at any point in time. What if someone's streaking down the field and they're like, oh, I don't like that game. I want to stop. That, that's, that's what I don't get. Like, I, I don't understand the whistle argument. But like I said, you can't solely blame it on that. Like, Tennessee had opportunity after opportunity to really put that game away, and they just couldn't really finish it. So, but still, like like I said, Heupel and his staff has brought in a breath of fresh air, and for the first time in about a decade—well, not not necessarily a decade, because I mean 2016, 2017, decent years—but there's some real optimism amongst the Tennessee fan base, and that that's really nice to feel. Because I mean, throughout my life, like I'm 22 years old, I haven't really felt that a whole lot, and so it's pretty cool for me and Tennessee fans alike. Yeah, you uh, you're one of those people. You were born after '98, so you don't know it. Mm-hmm what it feels like to be 98. So that's, I'm uh, <clears throat> no, nah, I don't think it's that the Braves won this year. So you can't <laughs> be did. a curse. They did. So that's, that's completely out the window. You've been able to see a Braves championship. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, here's my thing. I watched the video, obviously, you know, I, I was calling the UT Martin Austin P double header. I didn't have a chance to be mm-hmm. uh, able to kind of watch it. I was having to watch score updates and stuff like that. And, and I probably could have just put my computer on it to be honest with you, but I didn't, you know, trying to stay laser focused on calling games. Um, mm-hmm. But what I saw, I saw from first contact, I saw about four seconds without any movement. I know that doesn't mean anything. We're taught as, uh, and you played high school football. I played high school football. You played junior pro. I played junior pro. We've been there. You're taught to play to the whistle. Whistle. So right. if you don't play the whistle, as scouts yelling at me here in the background <laughs> of this one. But if you don't play, she, she a very, a uh, very loud yawn from the dog <laughs> back here. But um, if you if you're taught to play the whistle, you think that you score in that moment because the whistle mm-hmm. didn't happen until his arm was over it. Now, I do know that if the official's running in, sometimes it's hard, you know, if he misses his mouth on a whistle, trying to throw his arm up because he knows how big the play is, whatever it is. But again, you don't want to see it come down to officiating. I can completely understand Mm -hmm. where people are pissed off about that. Believe me, I get it. Um, Like I said, I watched the video. I saw him. I saw it kind of be about four seconds before there was any movement from 
where he was grabbed, but that's going to go down. I think that goes down with Kevin Dyson's arm reach as probably one yep. of the <laughs> one of the heartbreaking moments in Tennessee. But here's the thing. I think in a few years, we're going to completely forget about that because this Tennessee team is going to be a lot more. Um, you're not going to be talking about Music City Bulls anymore. You're going to be talking about hopefully Fiesta Bulls, things like that. Mm-hmm. Games where like Ole Miss are playing at. Let's jump a little bit further on here from the Big Ten and the Conference USA. How about this one? UAB 31, the 13th ranked uh, fighting Brigham Young University, Steve Young's um, they lose that one and uh, 31-28 in the Independence Bowl. I think that's a cool victory for UAB, who didn't have a football program. They, they tried to take the football program away uh, a few years back, and it was funded to bring it back. And now UAB is winning bowl games against ranked teams. Yep. And not, not just ranked teams. It's a top 15 team in the country. Yeah. And, and just to be in the situation they were in, what, five, six years ago where they didn't have a program, and then to finally be able to – really get some funding and bring it back. And then on a big scale like that, just come out and compete till the end, fight till the end and end up getting the benefit and winning like that. That was impressive to me. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break of the show here. Give you a chance to kind of stretch out, get a little bit of break. We'll have a little bit of a music interlude here. We come back, we'll finish up talking a little bit about the conferences and take a look at the national championship preview before we take our second break and then head in and end the show on the NFL. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. We have more action coming up next. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt, and we are into segment two here today. We just took a break after talking about Conference USA, UAB beating 13th-ranked BYU. Uh, my, Of course, my new co-host, as I mentioned, George Holloway. George joining us for his first ever Talking Schmidt. How's it been going so far? Do you like it? You like the new format? You down with it? Are you, do you like the format because you're a part of it? Is that what it is? Oh, I'm having a blast. Like, I love talking sports, so this is this is fun to me. <laughs> Even the impromptu break to let Scout think if she had to go use the restroom or not, and then, of course, she didn't. She just wanted my attention. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on here, let's go ahead and talk a little bit. We'll continue looking at some major bowl games from uh, teams who uh, played in them by conference. Independent, I guess independent, it's not really a conference, but independent. Uh, we know that there's several teams that are, are independent teams, including Notre Dame. Uh, but Army, the win over Mizzou, 24-22, Armed Forces Bowl. I thought that was huge. Uh, I know everybody kind of just makes fun of Mizzou anyway because of, you know, not really belonging. As some people look at it. They don't, you know, do they really belong in the SEC? Should they have stayed in the Big 12? Um, I think that they've done better going to the SEC. You know, they're for the first few seasons, they're SEC they won the SEC East. They were competing in the SEC championship game, just not able to win those games. So looking at that, uh, again, I still think that's a huge win, though, for Army. Anytime that Army can beat uh, a Power 5 school, which this season Army was has been on fire. I know they lost to Navy, which was crazy, shouldn't have happened. But right. Army beating Mizzou, that, that's a huge victory. Oh, absolutely. And just props to their kicker, Cole Talley. His career long was 41 yards. He goes out there with a 41-yard field goal with a bowl game on the line. Mizzou tries to ice him, and it's like, that man, he's going to serve in the Army. Yeah. I don't think you can make him nervous. And then he goes out there, and he just drills it. Not yeah. like The moment definitely was not too big for him, and it was a huge moment for Army just to knock off an SEC opponent like that. And I was excited to see it happen. It was really cool. 
Yeah, it, Army's one. Of, I mean, you, you're going to ice a guy who's literally about to go defend our freedom. Probably right. not going to happen. Uh, in the MAC conference, the the chips so fire up chips. They beat uh, Washington State, Central Michigan, 24-21 in the Sun Bowl. Uh, probably the best victory for um, a MAC team, and also keeping the Pac-12 from having a victory at that point. So uh, mm-hmm. the the old Chippewas with a big victory, right? And, of, and of course, it's a little Tennessee bias coming out here. But uh, Jared Garantano, he is one of the quarterbacks on Washington State's roster. And no no offense to Jared by any means. Respect him for hanging in there in Tennessee for the for a while. But, I mean, it was kind of like, yeah, that, that's but, poetic justice. But you were happy to see him go, weren't you? I mean, you weren't. Oh, 100, yes. Okay, yes. let's it was, say. It was, time. it was time to move on, definitely. It had been time for about two and a half seasons. But Gotcha. But, all right, Mountain West Conference Air Force, another uh, another service school there, beating Louisville 31-28. Long gone are the days of Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville. Air Force gets victory 31-28 in the first responders poll. Huge win again for the Armed Forces. Like it's, it's always cool to see our military academies and schools go out there and win on a big scale like that and in a playoff or bowl game, excuse me. And I thought it was cool to see Louisville – they put up a good fight as well, but, I mean, Air Force proved to be a little bit too much for them. That's right. Just being tough out there in Air Force, something that I'm sure a lot of Air Force people don't get to hear from their brethren in the Air Force, or in the Army and the Navy. Uh, <laughs> SEC schools, uh, I picked two games because I thought these were huge. I think probably Kentucky beating Iowa a little bit bigger just because mm-hmm. of their ranked opponent there in the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky winning 20-17 to 17 after trailing for a little bit in that game. But also, I had to give props to Arkansas for beating Penn State 24-10. to 10. Um, Arkansas ranked 21 in the nation, but I, I just had to give props to the Razorbacks and the Wildcats this year. Um, a lot of, you know, for years, uh, really after Darren McFadden and company left mm-hmm. uh, Arkansas, they've been kind of one of those teams where, you know, they're just uh, – it might be a part of the SEC, but they're not really anything in the SEC. And for Kentucky, it's been like that since, you know, Tim Couch was gone. So, I mean, that it's been a long, long, arduous process for these two teams to kind of cement themselves as, you know, you got to talk about these guys. You got to talk about how good they're going to be. So I put both of on there. Any of those more impressive to you than the other one? Um, To me, it was probably looking at the Arkansas game. Just because, like, what Sam Pittman's building at Arkansas is very impressive. And, I mean, Kentucky, they've been a six, seven, eight win team for the past four or five years. While as, as Arkansas, they've been at the bottom of the barrel, barely scraping by in the SEC. And to get up to number, what were they, number eight whenever they played Alabama mm-hmm. early in the year, that, that's phenomenal for them. And just to see what he's building at that program and really see it come to fruition against Penn State, that was, that was cool to see to me. All right, last one for you here, Sun Belt. I had Coastal Carolina beating Northern Illinois. Not a lot of other big games there in the Sun Belt, but Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers winning 47-41. Northern Illinois, you know, in the years past, has just always had a pretty dominant program there. So I, I felt like that was probably a big victory for Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and it was it was an offensive shootout. It, it was really fun to watch, especially like the late in the later in the game. There was like four plays and three of them were touchdowns for just back to back to back. And it was, it was great to watch. So thoroughly enjoyed watching that one as well. Looking at the, uh, 
national championship game that's been previewed here for us. Uh, before we talk about that, I, I guess we can we'll talk about it a little bit here. I'll just say what it is. Alabama, of course, versus Georgia. That game on Monday, January 10th, we'll talk about the two games that led into it. But I had a scenario for you looking at uh, the way that things could have been. 18 playoff, all right? Mm -hmm. I looked at it, took the top, you know, the top eight ranked teams in the country at where they were. Um, I think I could have broken it down a little bit farther, and we might do that in a later week or later episode. Um, mm -hmm. But Alabama obviously still being the one seed, Michigan being the two seed, you, uh, Georgia being the third, uh, three seed, Cincinnati being the four seed. I put Notre Dame as the five seed, Ohio State as the six seed, Baylor at seven, Ole Miss at eight. And this is just based off of their final rankings of where they were, which would put Bama, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Cincinnati on one side of the bracket, Michigan, Baylor, Ohio State, Georgia on the other side. Looking at what that is, do you could you see any team? in that top four, not making it to the semifinals, if you will, of that? Um, potentially, the, the best game to me would have been, you said Michigan-Baylor, correct? Michigan-Baylor, yeah. I think that game would have really been a, a fun one to watch. Because, I mean, Baylor, they have a great defense, elite, elite defense. And Michigan, they kind of struggle more on that offensive front, especially airing the ball out. Yeah, and while Baylor's secondary, it's it's pretty strong. So I believe that possibly that Baylor team could have pulled an upset on Michigan. And looking at uh, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, correct? Notre Dame, Cincinnati, yeah. Uh, if you remember back in the regular season, uh, Cincinnati took care of Notre Dame pretty pretty significantly. It was twenty four to ten. Uh, Notre Dame wasn't really in the game much at all, and so I don't think Cincinnati would have had too much of a problem handling Notre Dame, especially with Desmond Ritter going out there and playing like we know he can. And, of course, like Alabama, Georgia, I think those are just the two best teams in the country. So I don't think they would have been particularly challenged like we saw uh, whenever uh, Alabama played Ole Miss in the regular season. Yeah. wasn't yes. particularly a close game. So Alabama, their first game that we saw was it was the Cotton Bowl. They were the first uh, playoff game to go on. They beat Cincinnati 27-6. to I'll say this much. Um, I don't know if Nick Saban was just kind of holding back, if it just wasn't having Mechie with them, but or if it was the fact that Cincinnati did play a good game. I felt that Cincinnati did belong. I don't know if it, it maybe it's just because they didn't get blown out, um, because they did make Alabama make mistakes. Um, but honestly, uh, Will Anderson Jr., holy cow. I, I just – he simple, – simple, the way that I look at it, what, the difference in this game – was the Alabama defensive line on third down. That was the just the complete Absolutely. difference in this entire game was the fact that no matter what Cincinnati tried to do on third down, you knew the pressure was going to be there. And it wasn't coming from full-on blitzes. It was just from your outside edge. And so I really honestly, looking at the game, I really thought the rushing attack, obviously, of Alabama was absolutely phenomenal. First 10 plays of the game, you didn't have to throw the ball, and you were already up you know, at 10 nothing at that point. So for me, uh, the, obviously the running attack, which we know Alabama rushing, we know that. I mean, heck, your, your, your hero, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, wore those colors. So, like, I know for a fact, like, looking at that game, Alabama, I don't know if they gave their all in it. I don't know if they, you know – Again, not having Mechie to really stretch that field or whatever it was. Uh, I did think Cincinnati played a good game, though. Right. And I, I agree with what you said. Like, they they couldn't stay on the field, Cincinnati. they On third down, they were constantly just incompletion, failed rushing attempt, et cetera. 
and they just couldn't they just couldn't get a conversion to save their life to be honest with you and uh also like Alabama's defensive front was playing out of their minds their entire defense played great but that that front seven was just incredible that night and I mean you, you're looking at the greatest coach in college football history potentially the greatest right. coach ever you never know right. and, and Nick Saban and he's he's a tough one to beat especially this time of year uh, the other game was Georgia beating Michigan 34-11 in the Orange Bowl. Michigan just didn't know. It looked like they knew that they were playing a playoff game. Um, unfortunately for them, they couldn't get anything going at all whatsoever. Georgia was just absolutely everywhere. Um, I, I don't know if uh, our boy Jimmy H was just kind of uh, realizing that, like, hey, it was nice that we were here. Uh, if he can hang his hat on anything, they lost to Michigan State during the season, but they scored more more points than Michigan State scored in their playoff game. So I don't know if you can hang your hat on that for uh, you know um, for Michigan schools at least. At least you can rub that into Michigan State's face. But other than that, Michigan just kind of looked uh, like they were lost. Oh, absolutely! It was it to me. It just looked like they were outmanned. It it that defensive front from Georgia is the arguably the best in the country alongside Alabama and throughout the season, they were the best in the country and they proved that on a, during that game. And of course, like you, I don't, I don't even know if I can cuss on here, but I'm, but uh, like you saw the shirts, the Michigan players wore like run the damn ball. Yeah. And they, and they account for less than two yards of carry. And it, it was just, don't challenge a defense like that yeah. <laughs> going into a playoff game where you're out, man. And I, I just thought that was humorous. And then, like I said, it was just, from start to finish, Georgia's completely dominated that game. George, I'll let you cuss on this show. I promise. Um, just don't drop the f bomb. <laughs> no, uh, if you do, I have a I have a clown horn that I like to put in uh, in post editing, and I will put that in there. Don't worry. Um, gotcha. It happened to our good friend Justin a few times. Well, just once, <laughs> and then he never did it again because the clown horn he felt made him sound silly, so he stopped doing it. Uh, other than that. Going into the game, I want to go ahead and give us our little pick them here to start here. We're going to pick all the NFL games for week 18 uh, in our next segment here. But in this one, are you going number one, Alabama, or number three, Georgia? I, I can't bet against Nick Saban, especially in a championship game. So I'm giving the edge to Alabama, and especially because it's fueled. Uh, they are a two-and-a-half-point underdog going to face Georgia. And do you remember what happened the last time Alabama was the underdog? Yes, the SEC championship. Yeah, and they absolutely manhandled Georgia. So I, I I'm going to go with Alabama and Nick Saban on this one. Yeah, so I've, I've looked at it as well. I, I thought, you know, can can Alabama win twice in a season against an opponent? Um, we've seen it before. Uh, we've mm-hmm. seen them do that many times before. For Georgia, it's also that feeling now. Can you get past a team that embarrassed you? Um, I, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I, I don't think this is going to be one of those. I think these defenses are going to uh, shine. Um, if Alabama has a 100% healthy Mechie, which you know we will see what happens here, but if if they have all their weapons, Alabama's pretty pretty hard to bet against. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's it, like you said, I, and the the old saying by Ric Flair was to be the man, you got to beat the man. And the man in college football is and will be Nick Saban until he retires. Um, Mm -hmm. And until you prove yourself against Nick Saban, 
you, you can't bet against them. Um, right. I, I covered high school football, and I like to bring this up because there's a there's a coach out there who just won his 13th state championship, 16th for the school. His name's John Roderick. He's an absolute just beast of a coach. I would I tell myself all the time, and I used to tell him this man. I wish I could have played for you. Um, Coach Rod, I always said that when I would pick each week when we would do high school pickups out there is to be the man that you got to beat the man. I'm never picking against John Roderick. Uh, and I would always say Web City by 90 when I would do those. And, you know, in our office, we would joke around about it. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, the coaching. And I think that's what it, the difference maker is. Um, Bryce Young, heck of a kid. I don't think he's the best player. Uh, I think he's the best player in the country right now just because. I don't know if there's many players that really match up to what he's done. Um, I don't think he's the best player that we've seen at Alabama for any reason um, in the past, I mean, say since Saban's been there, but I think Mm -hmm. he is good. um, And I think he has the opportunities and everything and the tools to be a great player. Um, So I'm also going to pick Alabama. I know that was a long way around all that, but I I just can't pick against Nick Saban uh, much like you said as well. So um, we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back with our final segment. We'll try to get through all these AFC. um, And really, it's just the AFC scenarios for playoffs. The NFC scenarios, there's four NFC scenarios. Four. Mm -hmm. There's like three pages worth of AFC scenarios that somehow still get the Jaguars, I think, the playoffs if they really want. I'm kidding. That would never happen. Uh, Poor Trevor Lawrence, 17 interceptions and counting um because they don't have a great mass matchup against indy this week but anyway uh we'll jump into that we'll talk a little bit more nfl here in our final segment of talking schmidt stay with us you don't want to miss it we'll be back here in a minute and welcome back to our final segment here of talking schmidt we were actually going to have a show last week uh, George can attest to it. I lost my voice. Uh, that, that's literally what happened. We were going to have Devin on with us, Devin Higgins, who you'll hear in the future talking on the show. He's uh, George's partner in crime, so we'll have both of them on there. And then I'll be really outnumbered. I might have to bring Justin on for that show so I have less UT love if I can do that. Uh, <laughs> the most the most, uh, most disliked person I bring on by UT fans is my buddy Justin. Um, so we might have to bring him on for that. In case you guys start talking a little bit too much about UT, I'll take a break and just call them. Um, <laughs> but we'll go ahead. We're going to talk about the NFL a little bit here um, and the games we have coming up. We have a special. This is a, the first time ever we're going to talk about it because we have a week 18 in the NFL, the first time ever. that We have a week 18 regular season. I guess technically that first round of playoffs, the wild card round used to be week 18. Um, mm-hmm. But now it is a normal part of the season week 18 and it's going to start on saturday with the kansas city chiefs taking on denver um we'll talk a little bit about playoff scenarios a little bit later on this is just gonna be a a pure pick them i guess session here george for you are you going to take patrick mahomes are you going to take i guess is is it teddy who's playing drew lock i think it's drew lock uh drew lock teddy's hurt yeah teddy's hurt so drew lock for denver or Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, because uh, they're still in a battle for that number one seed. And uh, this is a big game for them in week 18. And uh, I think they're going to match up well against this Broncos team. I know the Broncos have a pretty good defense, very good defense, actually, in the in their, in their the AFC. But still, I don't think Drew Locke and that offense is going to be able to generate enough to take down Kansas City. 
No, and Chris Jones, I believe Chris Jones, if I heard this right this morning, is I believe a sack or a sack and a half. They might be one sack away from like um, over a million dollar bonus, something crazy like that. So uh, Chris Jones is going to make Drew Locke's world just absolutely terrible to live in. So I'm going to go Kansas City Mm -hmm. as well. In the late afternoon, so we have a bunch of divisional games here, obviously, in this week. Um, Dallas at Philadelphia. So the Cowboys right now have the division on lock um, there in the south. I don't even think that they can really progress out of that four seed uh, in, right. this, in the NFC because that's pretty much locked up other than a few little spots. Uh, but mm-hmm. do you think do you think Dak and company, knowing what we have with them, I know uh, I believe Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons both might be unavailable for this game, mm-hmm. but I know for a fact we'll have uh, not as much defensive pressure as we're used to, but do you think that's mm-hmm. enough for Philly to beat them? Uh, I would say so. Yes, uh, I think I think actually Philly's going to win this game, and uh, they're still aren't they? Philly's still fighting for a playoff spot, correct? Philly is locked in. They're so locked in. Okay. I believe okay. Gardner Minshew's getting the start. If that helps you with your decision making of hey, well that makes me that makes me go Philly even more. <laughs> Minshew mania. <laughs> oh my! I with that I'm taking <laughs> Dallas. Um, I'm going to take the I'm Cowboys on this. Um, <laughs> But I, I do think uh, with them resting more of their starters, I think Dallas won't rest their starters. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're going to want them to play a little bit. Um, we we could literally – I guess we wouldn't see this again. So, never mind. I was going to say we could see this matchup again in the first round, but we wouldn't. Um, right. Philly would have to jump all the way to the five seed, which they can't do. So, okay. um, more than likely, Philly's either going to draw the Rams or the Buccaneers. That'll be the two teams that they'll more than likely play. Uh, okay. in in the first round um, of the playoffs. But I am going to take Dallas. I, I think that's a, mm-hmm. a fair bet in that last game of the season. Um, Cincinnati versus Cleveland. So we know that Cincinnati's locked up a spot. Cleveland's out. Um, we know that there's been a lot of, like, talk between, uh, I guess, Baker Mayfield and company of, you know, we've heard trade rumors, things like that. I've seen mm-hmm. things that say Baker could go to uh, – um, to Minnesota for Kirk Cousins. I've heard this. I mean, there's there's a lot going on in mm-hmm. Cleveland. Is it too much of a distraction for Cincinnati to just kind of come in there and roll out? Or do you think Nick Chubb mm-hmm. and company will try to win one for the Gipper there towards the end? Uh, I think I think Cincinnati is too much. I know Joe Mixon is unavailable, correct? I believe so. Yeah. And uh, uh, Cincy, they still have a chance at the number one seed in the AFC as long as things fall in their lap. If the car, if the stars align, they can still get that number one seed. So I mean, I think they're going full bore uh, against the against Cleveland. Plus, it's that rivalry game. It's Cincinnati versus Cleveland. So I think both teams are going to step up in different ways. But I think Cincinnati's offense is just going to be too much to handle. Yeah, I have to I have to dig through here on my fantasy. Uh, I have one <laughs> fantasy league going for third place. Sad stories this year. Sad stories. Uh, but yes, Joe Mixon. <laughs> Joe Mixon is out. Um, for this one. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati as well. I just don't see them trying to let Cleveland or not playing their full potential with the chance to still be the number one seed mm-hmm. on the line. Green Bay at Detroit. I've heard apparently Green Bay, they are still going to play Aaron Rodgers. Um, they are not resting Rodgers. I guess they're not going to rest Devontae Adams. They won't rest their normal starters. So we'll see Aaron Jones. We'll see A.J. Dillon. We'll see Devontae Adams. We'll see Aaron Rodgers. We'll see the starters on defense. Um, 
Detroit's had a little bit of a, a slow year, but it wouldn't surprise me. Here's the thing. It wouldn't surprise me if somehow magically Detroit won this game just because Detroit will do that. Um, you know, the whole blind hog finds an acorn every once in a while. Right. Uh, but in this game, I'm obviously going to say Green Bay is going to win. Even if they only play Rodgers for a half, I think Green Bay wins this yeah. one. I was about to say the same thing. I said I would be shocked if Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, et cetera, play for more than a half. But I think what they do in that first half against this Lions defense could be enough to win them that game in, in general. So, And plus, if Rodgers is trying to really solidify that MVP. So yeah. I think he's going to pop off. So I got, I got Green Bay as well. Chicago at Minnesota, both teams kind of lackluster this season. Uh, Chicago, they thought Justin Fields was going to be the answer ended up being that they know Matt Nagy's not their guy. Uh, Matt Nagy's still on the roster. Here's the thing. I, I think this is a game. It's a battle of two coaches that more than likely won't be there next season. I exactly. think if you're going to say, hey, what two teams are going to fire their head coaches, I think it's Chicago with Matt Nagy, and I think Mike Zimmer's gone as well in Minnesota. Um, but in this contest, Kirk Cousins, I believe, does return. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's the difference maker in this contest. I'm going to pick Minnesota over Chicago. Um, you might differ with me on this one. I, I don't differ at all. Uh, I, I agree. Minnesota's – I got them in that game as well. I think they just have too many offensive weapons and Justin Jefferson and K.J. Osborne because Adam Thielen's on IR. But K.J. Osborne, he's a solid number three, and he's kind of stepped in that number two role very well. And uh, they also have a pretty good tight end, Tyler Conklin. So, yeah. And, of course, Kirk Cousins, he's had a very – a solid, quiet year in Minnesota. And also, I agree with your points about these head coaches probably not being with their respective teams at the end of the season. I just don't see Minnesota giving Zimmer another year or the Bears sticking it sticking that with Nagy. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. Washington, they're on the road at uh, the New York Giants. February 2nd, we find out who the Washington football team really is. Right. Um, all signs are kind of pointing to something presidential. I don't, I don't know if you saw the new Jersey releases or not. They put like three stars on them. It's mm -hmm. weird. So I think it's going to be somewhere around the line of like senators or admirals or something like that, that you can make on Madden. Um, I've seen wolves. I've, I've seen a lot of wolves and red wolves. Yeah. I've seen that as well. Mm -hmm. I think if you do red wolves, it sounds like a high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like an NFL team. I'm sorry. Um, mm -hmm. In this game, does the Washington soon to be named uh, football team, are they able to beat the Giants? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the Giants, they're, they're running with either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm, whichever one of their choosing, I guess. Either either is a pretty terrible option. And so uh, Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke is a baller. I would take him on my squad any day of the week just with his greediness. So I'm going with Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. Yeah, I'm going to take Washington as well. I think they're a better team. Watching how they played against Dallas not too long ago, in a game where they probably could have won against the Cowboys, uh, they still show that grit. I think they got it. Uh, I know you're uh, not going to be – you don't want to pick this team. I know you're going to have to. Um, mm -hmm. Indianapolis, I don't see them losing to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is just all kinds of messed up. Um, not so fast, my friend. Are you going to take the Jaguars? Absolutely not, I'm saying. But Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but – I will say this. Indianapolis has not won in Jacksonville since 2014. That's true. So, That's you true. You never know. Crazy things have happened. But Gardner Minshew is there for a little bit during this that time. This is true. This is true. Trevor Lawrence is out there slinging 17 interceptions a season <laughs> and counting. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm you, taking the Colts. <laughs> do you think, I mean, in a game like this, though, I mean, is it one of those ones where the Colts, uh, I'm pretty positive they've locked up their spot. Uh, well, I guess oh, they they have not. They have to the win. Colts. They have to win. Yes. I, I think that's the incentive that they need <laughs> to stop <laughs> that losing streak, I guess, in Jacksonville. Right. But um, Jonathan Taylor, big game. Uh, against this Jaguars defense, absolutely. Okay. I am going 100 plus, possibly two, two to three touchdowns. Dang. So, All right. Pit- <laughs> Pittsburgh against Baltimore. Both these teams could make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're still in the hunt. Who bet? Who I guess betters their chances? Are you calling a tie? You're not going to call a tie. This game won't end in tie, no, right? No. Maybe. No. This, it, who knows? Is is Lamar Jackson playing? Like, has he been announced as being available? That I don't know. I have to. Go back in here. I I don't know if Lamar Jackson. I'm sure they are because they've had so many issues with actually mm-hmm. finding uh, a quarterback. Let's let's see what they say about Lamar Jackson on the old fantasy cast here. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is ruled out currently. Um, yeah. he's been ruled out for Sunday's regular season finale against the Steelers. So no Lamar yeah. Jackson. Fair enough. Uh, then in that case, I, I respect Tyler Huntley. I think he's done a really good job when it, whenever he's been thrown in there to play for Baltimore. But it's big. It's Big Ben's season finale, uh, potentially career finale. And do I expect him to throw for 300 yards? No, but I think he'll do enough to get the job done. And with that defense, with TJ Watts screaming around the edge, it's hard for me to bet against it. So I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. I'm taking the Steelers, and I'm also going to say they're obviously going to be sitting at home watching uh, in the playoffs. So uh, another big game here, our Titans fan over here, Tennessee, they're at Houston, must-win game. Tennessee wins. They lock up the number one seed. All roads lead through Nashville. So all of you uh, fans of AFC teams or in the playoffs, you can get your your trip to Tootsie's um, in line. Do you take Tennessee in this game? I, I've heard, obviously, Derrick Henry's coming back. I don't see him playing a ton in this game. If he does play a ton, I will be absolutely shocked um, because mm-hmm. technically you're in the playoffs regardless. But right. uh, obviously you want to lock up that one seed. I would, I'm would. i going to take Tennessee in this one. I just don't see them losing to Houston twice in a season right. um, again. But I do think if we see Derrick Henry, it's going to be like 10, maybe 15 plays. Place, not carries. Place. Yeah, exactly. Like I was following up on that point. He's definitely going to be on a pitch count, as you could say. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to see the field very often because, I mean, it was a broken bone in his foot. That's a pretty major injury, especially for a running back. And you're playing this Houston team who got the best of you the first time, but you got to remember in that game, it was an absolute sloppy mess in Nashville that day. Ryan Tannehill threw four picks, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a throw, and the running game could get, couldn't get anything going either. So four, five, actually five total turnovers because there was also a fumble in there. So it was twenty-four to ten final. The first, the first game I believe it was twenty-four thirteen, something like that. And uh, this week I believe it's going to be a completely different story, especially with your full slate of weapons with Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and potentially Derrick Henry for a few touches here and there. So I got the Titans in this one. New Orleans at Atlanta. New Orleans they need a win and a San Francisco loss. Like I mentioned, we'll talk scenarios here in a second. Uh, but do you feel New Orleans, do you feel like they're able to beat Atlanta in this one uh, and there with who they have? I mean, Alvin Kamara's come back a little bit. The defense has been absolutely tremendous. I have to give credit where credit's due for that defense. But do you think Taysom Hill and com- company knock off Atlanta in their final game, or do you think the Falcons can get a victory? Now, that game is a little bit of a toss-up for me in a sense 
just because the Falcons, that divisional game against New Orleans, it's always a gritty, tough game. And the Falcons, they've played spoiler in the past, and they could definitely play spoiler for New Orleans this season. But that being said, with the – I don't want to say terrible, but it's not good at all. The absolute lack, lackluster defense of the Atlanta Falcons against a mobile quarterback like Taysom Hill and a running – and a scat back, I could say, in Alvin Kamara, uh, University of Tennessee. Um, he, uh, I, I feel like the Saints can get the better of this one. But I do expect a pretty big day from Cordero Patterson. I expect him to at least have – a receiving touchdown in this one as well. Another um, Tennessee product. Another Tennessee product, indeed. <laughs> you, you, you didn't mention that one. Um, I'm going to go with New Orleans as well. I, I think I think Alvin Kamara and company will do enough to uh, to win this game against Atlanta, uh, kind of knowing that they have to win to make a playoff spot and need some things to fall for them. Uh, I think they'll give it their best. Now, the New York Jets – Shaking our heads. You can't see it, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening to this, but we're shaking our heads right now. The New York Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. I'm going to go Jets over Bills. Or No, I'm not. What did I just say? I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, make it happen. No, I'm going to take the, the Bills uh, The Bills over the Jets. Pretty easy game to decide here, for me at least, is just Jared Allen and company. Uh, do, you really, do you really mess with them? Josh Allen and company. What did I just say? Right. Jared Allen. Jared <laughs> yeah. Allen, the, who's going to a good defensive end. Great. Going to go into the Hall of Fame more than likely. <laughs> Josh, Josh Allen and company. I don't know why this game is throwing me for a loop. I, I really just wanted Zach Wilson to be better. I think that's what the sad, the sad thing, but I don't think right. it's going to happen. I, I think he won't be good till he gets out of New York. So I think if he gets out, he has a shot. But you know, going along with what you said, this game, I think the Bills are going to take care of it pretty, pretty easily. Like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that that duo that's that's pretty dynamic, and they have been playing better over the recent weeks, of course, because they were in that wild card spot, but they took advantage of a New England loss and they took over that division lead. And so, it's, if they clinch, they clinch. If they win, they clinch the division. So this is a big one for Buffalo. Yeah, and and the Jets are just they're awful. Yeah, yeah, it's been <laughs> bad. San Francisco against Los Angeles, the Rams, uh, a game where. I'm looking at it, and anything could happen. San Francisco seems to have Los Angeles' number. Uh, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, those guys have been really good this year, but they've struggled in moments as well. It's been just weird to kind of see. I don't know what it is about that team. Uh, I think Odell Beckham Jr. coming on late and actually being a part of the program and getting a part of the opportunity has really helped out a ton. Mm -hmm. But I just don't see – I don't know what's wrong with that team, but there's just something that's not right with Los Angeles. Do I think that it's enough to lose to San Francisco? Their spots already clinched. They know they can't get a number one spot right now. They're fighting for number two or number three, depending on how their game in Tampa Bay goes. Um, I don't know. I'm going to take San Francisco in this one. I think San Francisco just has so much on the line that winning, you know, obviously winning for San Francisco secures their playoff spot, whether it makes them the sixth or seventh seed, you know, that's to be debated on the day before um, with that Dallas Philly game. Um, right. But right now, San Francisco is technically sitting in that sixth spot. I, I just don't, mm -hmm. I think San Francisco is going to make it what six in a row. Is that what it is? It'd be, I think they're at five in a row against the Rams right now. I, I think yes. it's going to be six in a row. Right. I, I agree with that. Uh, the, the big key for me in this game, is can Jimmy G give them enough if he's available? 
Because if, if he's available, he just has to play smart, not turn the ball over. Because the way the Rams stay, have stayed in games over the past recent weeks hasn't really been with that offensive firepower because, as we saw last week against the Ravens, Matthew Stafford really struggled. He threw, what, three interceptions, I believe, two or three? They and they managed, two. And they managed to squeak out that win 20-19 over a depleted Baltimore. So I'm interested to see if Jimmy G can do enough if he's available. And, and I'm also interested if he's not, if Trey Lance can step in that role and really step up. And going on the 49ers, that defense is very, very good, especially with Nick Bosa, who, Bosa, who's in that comeback player of the year conversation along with Joe Burrow and potentially Dak Prescott. But it's an elite defense. I think there's too much on the line for them, as you said. And the Rams, they're not really playing for much at the moment. They've already clinched. They're, they're in. So potentially we could see three teams from the NFC West get in. And I think, that, uh, yeah. for, I think the 49ers take care of business, and I think they win that ball game. Uh, along with that one, next game on the list there, New England, they're going to be at Miami. Uh, in the past, New England, they've struggled when they go down to Miami. We've seen that before. It's been one of those things. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think Miami's loss to Tennessee kind of gave them uh, nothing left to fight for. I'm going to take New England in that contest. Right. It's uh, kind of a similar situation as we were with Alabama. Uh, you, I don't bet against Bill Belichick too often. So I'm going to go with, with the Patriots as well. Their defense is very, very good. It's an elite defense in the NFL. And let's just face it, the Dolphins, they kind of fell flat on their face last week against Tennessee, and that ended their season in a sense. So I got the Patriots. Seattle at Arizona, knowing that Russell Wilson, this could be his last game ever as a Seahawk. Do they have what it takes to beat Arizona, or do you think Arizona's defense is going to show out one last time during the season um, and just solidify their spot in the playoffs? I think, I think Arizona takes care of business here. Because uh, we saw last week against Dallas, that, that was a really big game for Arizona, just as like a morale standpoint even. And they took care of business Dallas. I believe the final was, what, 22-14, I think. Uh, Dallas couldn't really get anything going on offense because that uh, the Cardinals' defense really stepped up. And I think the same is going to be – it's kind of going to be a similar scenario for the Seahawks. I don't think they're going to be really able to get anything going. And I think Kyler Murray is going to make some plays, and I think the Cardinals are going to take care of business. Yeah, Kyler Murray just didn't look as impressive to me in that Dallas game. I don't know if something's kind of up right now with him, but um, mm -hmm. early on in the season, he looks really good. And I, right. I didn't see it as much. Um, I'm kind of caught on this one. I think, obviously, knowing what's happening in the Rams 49ers game is going to play really heavily into, mm -hmm. I think, the Cardinals' mindset because if they know they can't win the division, I know they've already locked into a playoff spot. So if the Rams come out and absolutely start blowing out the 49ers, do they end up resting Kyler Murray and company? Um, with that being said, I, I do think Arizona uh, will get the victory in that one. I feel bad. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to be elsewhere next season um, more than likely. Uh, but right now in, in, in Seattle, there's just a lot going on with them. Carolina at Tampa Bay, Tom Brady a chance to, I think, move into the second spot. I think they just have to have the Rams lose. They could be the number two team um, and, right. and kind of have the other half of home field advantage, um, at least until the championship game, if Green Bay makes it or not. Um, mm -hmm. In that game, I'm taking Tom Brady and company, Carolina, without Chris McCaffrey. Uh, they're using Cam Newton, who had like one spark when he came back, and the fans were excited for a minute, but that didn't mean anything. Um, right. It didn't really mean anything for Carolina at all this season. I, I think Tom Brady and company, no matter what, I mean, if they play him, I know he's close to a few incentives to make some extra money 
Gronk's on that list as well, who needs a few more mm-hmm. catches, touchdowns, things like that to make a couple, a uh, couple extra million, if you will, uh, money that those guys probably don't need, but they'll probably play mm-hmm. out and show out against Carolina. Right. I, I agree. I, I can't bet against Tom Brady either. Like it, it's hard to go against him. And even with all the injuries that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are dealing with, like Chris Godwin, Terrence ACL, Mike Evans going on IR, uh, Leonard Fournette going on IR, Antonio Brown leaving the, uh, getting released from the team, things like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of drama surrounding the Bucks right now, but Carolina, there's just not enough there at this moment in Cam Newton and without Christian McCaffrey. So I'm going with the Buccaneers as well. Los Angeles Charters, uh, Chargers, Las Vegas Raiders, our final game that we're looking at. It's going to be the Sunday night game. Has the most implications for that final wild card, final spot, really, in the playoffs. Also, final Wildcats, our card spot. Uh, Chargers versus Raiders. Um, it's been a weird season. I thought the Chargers would be a lot better. Um, I thought they'd be in contention to be. We talked about them in a scenario where you know, if they won or lost or needed a tie from Kansas city, maybe to win the division. And it's just not looking like that. Um, Justin Herbert still exactly what we think he's going to be. I mean, he's definitely a top talent quarterback uh, in the country um, in the pros. Like he's, he's that guy um, Las Vegas, just so much happened to them this year. So much controversy, so much drama. Um, and then the only thing I could think of is maybe they'll try to win one for John and, make it in there after the passing of John Madden. But um, I'm taking the Chargers in this game. Uh, I think Los Angeles Chargers, I think they win it and they keep that seventh spot in the playoffs. I agree. I, I think the Chargers just have too much on offense and Herbert and Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, et cetera. I think there's too much there for that Oakland – or excuse me, Las Vegas defense to really keep up with in a sense. And plus, like as you said, there's been so many – storyline surrounding the Raiders this season, like with John Gruden being dismissed, removed from his role, the Henry Ruggs tragic situation. Um, and now, but there is some fuel there potentially with John Madden passing away, ripped to one of the greatest influences in the game of football ever. So yeah. you never know, but I, I agree with you. I think I'm going, I'm going with the chargers as well. I think what we need to do is we need to have a jar that anytime somebody says Oakland, San Diego, <laughs> uh, mentions the Redskins instead of whatever their new name is going to be. I I think they need to put a penny in or a dollar in something. We'll do a penny. And at the end of the year, we'll just donate that to charity. Um, That sounds good to me. Yeah. We'll have to do that. (laughs) I have a lot of money. (laughs) You owe owe me a penny. Um, (laughs) Moving in, we'll look at the playoffs real quick. And uh, so far, the only thing that we truly know about the playoffs is Green Bay is the number one seed overall in the NFC. Um, that's the only thing that is guaranteed currently, other than we know that Green Bay, Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay, uh, Dallas, Arizona, Philly, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and New England are all <laughs> guaranteed spots in the playoffs. Uh, scenarios that we're looking at, the things I think going to happen, I-, I think Tennessee will win. They'll be the number one overall seed. Um I think that's the biggest thing, but what about these? Uh, and I'll, I'll see what you think the chances are for these. For Kansas City to be the number one seed, they need to win and they need a Tennessee loss. How likely do you feel that could possibly be? I mean, as a Titans fan, we've kind of been through years of grief and sorrow. It's kind of like being a Tennessee Vols fan in a nutshell. So anything can happen, of course. Like, literally we've seen anything throughout my – fanhood of my life, but 
I got confidence that the Titans can take care of business. So I think the Titans are going to lock that up, but I will give a chance to, to Kansas city. I will give probably a 15, 20% chance. I think it's possible. All right. Cincinnati, they need a win a Tennessee loss, Kansas city loss, or a Buffalo slash new England loss um, to be the number one seed. What do you think the probability of that happening is? I really don't see that happening at all. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose. I, I still, as I, even though I gave them a chance, I don't think the Titans are going to lose. Uh, I and also like Patriots playing the Dolphins and Bills playing the Jets. I don't really give much of headway to that one either. So I, th- I don't think the Bengals really have much of a chance in that number one. Cool story though, coming out of Cincinnati this year. Yeah, yeah, really abso- cool story. Absolutely, Buffalo winning the AFC East. They just need a victory. I think I think that happens. Uh, they're playing the New York Jets, one of the dumpster fire franchises in the NFL right now. And I don't really see the Jets making any noise to jeopardize the high draft pick like they did last year. <laughs> so I, I really feel uh, Buffalo will take care of business and I want to win the win the East. Believe it or not, New England still has a chance to be the number one seed. They do. They need, they need a victory. Mm-hmm. They need Tennessee to lose, Kansas City to lose, and Buffalo to lose. That would make them the number one seed. What are the chances that we see the Patriots as the number one seed in all roads leading to Foxborough? I mean, like we've talked about with all the great coaches, I mean, Belichick, you know, there's always a chance. There's always an opportunity for Belichick to sneak in there in that number one spot. But I, I just don't – I don't see it happening. I don't think I – don't, I don't think the stars are going to align particularly for them. So, Indianapolis, they clinch a playoff spot with a victory. Pretty, pretty confident on that? Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, even though I, I jokingly said Jaguars, yeah. But, I mean, the Jaguars, they're a – they're, they're a dumpster fire as well. Correct. So I think the Colts are going to take care of business. Chargers win. Uh, Chargers get in with a playoff victory. Um, they get that spot if they win. Um, chances of that. I think that's going to be a better game than I like originally thought. I think the Chargers still have too much on offense for the, for the Raiders to compete with. But – you never know what can happen, and uh, the Raiders, they, they proved last week they came out and beat the Colts whenever they had to. So, who knows? Maybe the Raiders perform their best when the back's against the wall. So, we'll see. I'm still going to take the Chargers, though, and I think I'd give them probably 65%. 65%. 70%. So, obviously, the Raiders could get in there if they beat the Chargers, so you're giving 65%, so 35% to um, the Raiders here to win that and make that happen. Now, here's, here's where it gets crazy towards the end. Um. Pittsburgh can make the playoffs with a victory and they need an Indianapolis loss and they need their chart. Well, I guess we didn't even talk about the craziest one. The craziest one is if Indy loses <laughs> and the chargers yep. and the Raiders end in a tie, both the chargers mm-hmm. and Raiders make the playoffs and Indy sits at home. That's the craziest scenario. They've talked mm-hmm. about it. What those teams just take knees and end zero zero, which won't happen because <laughs> that's just not how the NFL's played, especially with so many incentives on the line for these teams. Um, but we talk about it, Chargers, uh, that scenario. But another scenario is obviously if Pittsburgh, they could win their game, Indy loses, and then whoever the Chargers or Raiders, whoever wins, it just can't end in a tie. Right. It's a crazy scenario, to be honest with you. And, like, there's always that kind of, like, thought that's like, what if they did just need out and in a tie? Or they just, like, purposely threw incompletions or negative gains, et cetera. But, of course, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Pittsburgh, they got to have a lot to happen to, to make it in. And I just don't particularly see it happening. So I, I think the Chargers and the Colts are going to wrap up those final two spots. And finally, uh, Baltimore, they could win. They need a Charger loss. They need an Indianapolis loss. And they need Miami to lose or tie. That's our final okay. scenario that could happen. Baltimore can make the playoffs still. If the Chargers lose to the Raiders, the Colts lose to the Jaguars, and Miami is able to lose or tie New England. How do you feel about that one? You feel like that's a better chance of happening than Pittsburgh, at least? I would say so, just banking on the Dolphins' part. The Dolphins' loss or tie, because I, I think the Patriots are going to handle that game. So I still say it's a tough ask for Baltimore, and they have to go in and they have to beat Pittsburgh, of course. And then again, like the Stars, I, I hate to sound like a bro- broken record, but the Stars literally have to align. Yeah. So I, I don't really think that's going to happen either. The last scenarios come from the NFC. There's only four. The Rams win the West with the victory or a tie, technically. The Cardinals win the West with a victory and a Rams loss. San Francisco makes the playoffs with a victory. New Orleans makes the playoffs with a victory and a 49ers loss. I feel like all four of those things could happen. Uh, I oh, feel well, like I feel like we're looking at 50-50 <laughs> shots on all four of those scenarios. Um, right. Do you think San Francisco – I mean, we, we both picked San Francisco to beat Los Angeles. Um, do you think San Francisco makes the playoffs this year, or do we see New Orleans? I, I, think, uh, I think San Francisco, going back to our picks, I think they pull it out. Because like, like we talked about, the Rams have been lackluster these past few weeks. I think the 49ers can take advantage of that. It just depends on if Jimmy G or Trey Lance can give them enough. Who's ever at the, the helm, they could say. So, And also, uh, New Orleans, they're, they're playing Atlanta, correct? Yeah. I know, we picked, I know we picked New Orleans, but, I mean, if Atlanta wants to, they, they, have, they can play spoiler. So, who really knows? So, I'm, I, think, I think San Francisco gets in over New Orleans. 51-49%, is that we're thinking? 51% chance 49ers make it, 49% chance they don't make it, whatever we want to look at there. I, I think you're right. right on that one. Final kind of topic here, we're going to preview it a little bit. Aaron Rodgers, the front runner for the NFL MVP. He's ninth in yards, third in touchdowns, but he's only thrown four interceptions on the season. He's been absolutely just lights out. Uh, early on, we thought it might be Tom Brady until the saints kind of shut him out a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of helped solidify Aaron Rodgers in that spot. Joe Burrow has now moved up to the third spot in that, um, on that list there. Uh, he is the, uh, he's number one overall in completion percentage by a quarterback. So Mm -hmm. congrats. to uh, Joe Burrow there. He's definitely the future along with Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Those names we're going to talk about. Uh, the only thing that you're looking at is there's two guys who are first in all statistical categories for their position, and they're not getting talked about. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is first in attempts, yards, and touchdowns. I feel like he's ruled out because um, not just because you're a Titans fan, but in all actually, if Derrick Henry didn't win it last year, Jonathan yes. Taylor is not going to surpass uh, Rodgers or Brady this year. Um, mm-hmm. But Cooper Cup as a wide receiver, first in receptions, first in yards, and touchdowns. Unfortunately, the MVP, I think, is looked at too much as a quarterback award. Um, we, we really don't see anybody else win that award, unfortunately, in years past. You just don't really see it. I, like I said, I think Derrick Henry had the best chance as a non-quarterback to win it. Um, mm-hmm. 
is it Aaron Rodgers? Is Vic, is it a back-to-back thing for Aaron Rodgers this year? Is there anybody you feel playing better than him currently in the NFL? Um, or is he just kind of like, it, when you watch him, you're just like, this is the reason. When Whenever you watch Aaron Rodgers play, just with the command and authority the, that he has on the field and over opposing defenses, it's second to none, and the second is potentially Don Brady. And <laughs> – and uh, this year, just him locking up that number one seed with the authority that they did and that connection that he has with Devontae Adams and the rest of his offense, you just you just can't top it. Because you, you saw the stat in the Packers game last week. Devontae Adams accounts for like 50, 60% of his completions, something like that, and his yards. Like, it, it's a crazy number. And going to, going to what you said, uh, Tom Brady, he's had an incredible year, of course as has the other candidates uh, like Jonathan Taylor. He's had an incredible year, but it'd be absolutely blasphemic if he got if he received MVP after Derrick Henry did not receive a vote last season. Yeah. He didn't even receive a first-place vote, and he rushed for over 2,000 yards, something that only six people in history have done. And Cooper Cup, he's statistically one of the greatest seasons that a wide receiver has ever had. I'm not quite sure if he's broke the single-season record. I think he's about 200 yards off, correct? It's like two or three. It's it's yeah. it's far off. He has right, a chance he, to break it, but I think he needs mm-hmm. a, a good chunk this uh, this right. game to get it. Yeah, and and I think you also hit the nail on the head where it's it's a quarterback award. That's kind of what it's turned into. And of of course, I missed I missed one of the hottest players on the planet right now, Joe Burrow. If he could have kept this up throughout the entirety of the season, oh, definitely one hundred percent. But I mean, he's gotten hot a little too late, in my opinion. So, of course, it's been incredible showings these past couple of weeks. But then they moved into third most yards in a single game by a quarterback in his second year and coming off a torn ACL, MCL, and a meniscus or whatever he had. It was like a three-tear injury. And that's just incredible. And he's had a great season. But I think it's too little too late, and I think Aaron Rodgers has solidified it. Yeah, I, and like I said, I coming into the season, I would never have told you. And, and you know this, I'm a big Packers guy. I mean, you can see the the office here. You see Rodgers in the background. You see Favre over my other shoulder. Um, you know, I I I I huge fan of Aaron Rodgers. I have his jersey. I mean, I'm. But coming into the season, all the controversy that kind of surrounded him, I, I just didn't see that happening. And he said that exact same thing. And every time he's been interviewed, he said, "Man, coming into the season, I wouldn't have thought I would. You know, that you guys would even." think of me as an MVP candidate. And now here we are where we're, you know, going into week 18 and, and for the past four weeks, it's been like, well, it's pretty much Aaron Rodgers award to lose now. Um, again, it just kind of shows you, you know, that until Brady and Rogers retires, you know, those, those are the guys. And I felt that way, you know, for a long time, you couldn't really talk about anybody else being, you know, in that Brady category until Manning and Breeze retired. And, and, you know, Rogers mm-hmm. was always there with them. But really, right. it was, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, because they were breaking each other's records and all that craziness. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, we, we exactly. We saw that um, for years. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers, this is his to lose. Um, yeah. But kudos to Cooper Cup on an amazing season. Kudos mm-hmm. to Jonathan Taylor on an amazing season Absolutely. as well. He plays in a he plays in the division where he's arguably the second best running back. I mean, he literally Mm -hmm. plays in a conference where he's arguably the second best running back when Derrick Henry obviously is healthy. Um, So, I mean, that's, that's one of those things when you're getting, when you're a guy in your second season and people are like, 
man, you're really good. And there's this guy named Derrick Henry that just rushed for 2000 yards and you couldn't mm -hmm. surpass him for, it took six weeks for him to be injured free to even get past him on the yards. You know, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's a crazy stat line. So yeah, I, I agree right. with you there. Aaron Rodgers, though. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to win the MVP there, but George, our first show, our, I guess of the third season here, finally in the books, mm -hmm. how'd you feel? What's, what's your, uh, what's your mindset here? I had an absolute blast. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a lot of fun. It's cool to pick pick the brain of another sports fanatic, I guess you could say. And so I really enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to keep doing it. All right. Well, this is going to be posted uh, very soon, so you and I will get the chance to re-listen to it and see how much of an idiot we sounded like um, and then get ready for the next week. Uh, this show is going to be coming out a little bit different than normal. It's going to be on a different day. We're trying to do these, our record these on Thursday night or Wednesday nights into Thursday. Um, so just kind of bear with us as we kind of get those dates down. I'm looking to have a few more interviews and a few more people to come on in the near future with George and I. For another week of Talking Schmidt and for my buddy George Holloway, we thank you guys so much for listening and we hope that you join us again next week.